Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. And we're breaking into this solemn story of Lot and his family and the judgment of God that fell upon the cities of the plain. Verse 15, we take the reading from And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he, Lot, lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. I want you to notice that word escape. The Holy Spirit puts it in in repetition five times in the next verses. Holy Spirit doesn't multiply words for the sake of it. Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. Here's the verse I want to register in your mind. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one, and my soul shall live? And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither. Now here's a tremendous phrase. For I cannot, God says I cannot do anything. Imagine that. That's God speaking. 
I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. And the sun was rising upon the earth when Lot entered Zor. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Turn over to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, please. And I want you to keep your Bible open at this 24th chapter of Matthew. And as you're turning, and as you're waiting, just whisper a prayer for the preacher and for yourself. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. Now, Father, we've been reading this solemn word. We come before thee tonight, Lord. We have been enjoying that great hymn, The King is Coming. Surely, as sure as this day came, he will come. And Father, as we shut ourselves in and silence our hearts from yesterday and from tomorrow, Lord, speak. Speak. For Christ's sake. Amen. On the 2nd of September 1945 at 5.29 a.m., two American B-29 bombers dumped on the cities of Nagasaki in Japan, in Japan Hiroshima and Nagasaki, dumped two atomic bombs. The estimated the scorching and the killing and the burning of about a quarter of a million souls. Standing on the bridge of the battleship Missouri in Tokyo Bay, the five-star General MacArthur, known as American's greatest soldier, as he watched the mushrooming pillar of smoke going up into the air from the two cities, he made this profound statement. He said, gentlemen, if we do not devise something more equitable than war, then Armageddon is at our door. That was 78 years ago and tonight without a shadow of a doubt, the battle at Armageddon is at our door. How true that statement was, and certainly it has come back to haunt us. It is obvious that modern man has devised nothing more equitable, but he has devised a thousand things more destructible. Across the planet Earth tonight, there's 138 armed conflicts going on. 
And it's only a matter of time, maybe weeks, until we're faced with a large nuclear attack. Now, I'm not only saying that from the Bible, but many others are saying that tonight. A nuclear, atomic, biological, chemical attack is imminent. It is well known that if the arsenals of the world was released, the munitions combined in the nations of the world, it would barbecue this world a hundred thousand times. Fulfilling the prophecy that Peter said that the earth would be burnt up with fire. Peter was a fisherman, he hadn't even a match. The only way they could get a light in those days was to clip a couple of stones together. But the Holy Spirit showed the Apostle Peter that the day was coming when this whole earth will be burnt with fire. Now God has plenty of fire. But he might well use the fire that's hoarded up and resourced across our nations to destroy the world. With so much talk going on, and if you're listening to the news or reading your papers at all, with so much talk and rhetoric going on today about World War III, the apocalypse, doomsday, Armageddon, it's almost every day being heard now. It's only right and proper in light of that that we who herald the gospel and the harbingers, harbingers of the words of truth would be more robust and more vociferous in warning the people that judgment such as this is at our door. It is my duty as the servant of God and the watchman of God to warn the people, to warn the populist men, women and children of these fierce catastrophes that's going to fall upon us as inscribed in the Word of God and some of them we were looking at last Lord's Day evening. God forbid us, or for, forgive us for holding back the truth. When I was running about years ago, there was a song, Top of the Church by Jim Reeves, I hear the sound of distant drums. My friend, these are not distant drums. These are drumming in our ear every day of the week and will get worse and will get worse. And cursed is he that withholdeth the corn and God forgive us for not warning this generation of the judgment that's going to come. An article in the Daily Telegraph lately said this, Apocalypse. World War III, Armageddon, is on the way. It's very sad that there's more warning coming from the world, from the media and from the military, than there's coming from the house of God. Those of you who don't belong to here and don't associate with us here and go to your own church, you ask yourself when you last heard your pastor, your minister, warning you about the wrath to come, 
and telling you about the rapture of the church that we're going to be snatched out at any moment and telling you what's going to face you if, you're, if you die in your sin without Christ. If he's not telling you those things, you need to flee from him. We're living in very, very critical days. But it's not what men say and it's not what the military say and it's not what the United Nations say or Donald Trump says or anything else says. It's what the Word of God says. And I hold the Word of God in my hand tonight and having prayed much over these messages, I believe that we're near something terrible. It's not what men say, it's what Jesus Christ and the Word of God says. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Lord Jesus, warns us himself about what's coming. There's dozens of chapters across the Bible, the New Testament in particular, of what's going to happen. Before the Lord Jesus went to the cross, he delivered what was called the Olivet Discourse or the second sermon on the mount. And in this Matthew 24 and 25, he shows us at least 15 signs that will happen before the Lord returns to the earth. And I want to emphasize tonight what we're reading in Matthew 54, and what I'm going to tell you tonight is when the Lord comes back with the saints to reign. It's not the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church can happen at any moment. There is not one scripture to be fulfilled. And I've been preaching this for years and I've always challenged the congregation to come and tell me and show me. There's not one scripture to be fulfilled until he bursts the clouds and takes his people home. It's only the grace and the mercy of God that's holding back. We look at that verse at the end. He says, I can do nothing until... You come hither. And there's certain things that God will not do until the church comes out. And we might take a whole night on that sometime. So here's the Olivet Discourse. There's 15 signs. And they came in answer to three questions by the disciples. They were looking for answers. Maybe you're looking for answers tonight. And he doesn't always answer the way that you want him, and maybe he doesn't answer you at all at times. But he answered these people. He says, they said, tell us three questions. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming, and what shall be the end of the age? You get them in verse 3 if you want to get the scripture into your head. Tell us, verse 3, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? And when shall be the end of the age? He took two full chapters to answer that question, 97 verses, the longest answer to any question in the New Testament, if not in the Word of God. That's not to talk about what he says in, in Mark's Gospel, Luke's Gospel, John's Gospel, and in the book of Revelation. So the very fact of what I have just said to you just now emphasizes the imperativeness that our Lord Jesus Christ laid on warning the people and telling the people that he was going to come again. 
And that's why you're gathered here tonight. You're gathered because you know and you're interested in the future. And why would you not be? But you have a young family. You're interested in the future. Every New Testament writer mentions the Lord's return. Every one of them. You know, something came mighty fresh to me during the week. It came like a, just like a, like a bullet into my heart in Mark's gospel. Don't want you to turn to it, but it's the 13th chapter and verse 35. Listen to what he says. The Lord's talking about his return. He's talking about his return, and in those verses he talks about watching and waiting, meditating on his return. And then he says this, watch, watch. You read it many times, watch is in that. Watch, it could be at evening. That's 6 p.m. Every six hours, he tells us to watch. Make sure you're watching. It may be at evening, 6 p.m. It may be at midnight, 12 p.m. Or it may be when the cock would crow, 6 a.m. Or it may be in the morning, before midday, 12 midday. More times than you have meals. Have you thought once today, that like that we could be taken out and your son and daughter will go into these plagues of hell that we were reading about last week and you never were in a prayer meeting for them? Four times every six hours. It may be in the evening. It may be at cockcrow. It may be at midnight. It may be at the morning. I can honestly say in the presence of this congregation, in the presence of God tonight, the first thing I do when my feet hits the ground every morning, I say, Lord, maybe today. Maybe today. Now, we must keep this scripture in context because I believe that the Lord has more to say to us tonight than prophecy. And we must keep this scripture in, prof, in, in, in context. And if you look at verse 1 of chapter 24, as he comes down to these questions, as he comes down to answer them, it says this, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Now I want you to stop there. What you see here is a denunciation of the system, of the Jewish system. In other words, in our language, he here at this beginning of chapter 24 and the end of 23, he has cut a stick. 
He has abandoned the whole pharisaical, ecclesiastical, sacerdotal ritual and tradition of the Jewish system. He has signed the death warrant. He's walked out and took his disciples with him. He has just attended the last Passover feast. He has just preached his last message. Twice he cleansed the temple. Oh, my friend, we need to remember that. Twice at the beginning, at the end of the ministry, the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, went into the house of God with the scourge and the whips, and he whipped them out and overturned the table. And he says, you've made God's house, which is supposed to be a house of prayer, as a den of thieves. And he's not going to have it. And he's not going to have it today either. He scourged them out. Now we pick it up, and I want you to look at 23, chapter 23, because we pick up these verses in 33. Here's what he said to them. We'll have to put this in this context. We'll have to come down to why he says there'll be wars and rumors of wars, and why there'll be deceptions, deceptions and why there'll be false prophets, and all that he says in this chapter 24. We must keep it in this context. Chapter 30, verse 33. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. That's the Lord Jesus on the edge of the cross. That's the Lord Jesus now warning us before he gives us this made, these mighty prophetical teachings. Ye generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send you Prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them you scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. That upon you may come all the righteous blood that shed from the earth from the blood of righteous unto the blood of righteous Abel, unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Bacchaeus, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Now watch this. O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, thou that killed the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathered her children under her wings, but you would not. Behold, now watch this, your house. It's not God's house now. Your house. You have taken charge of. You have put me out. Boy, I'll tell you if that was a verse applies to our nation. To our churches, to your house, you go and do what you want with your house. I'll have nothing to do with it. It's not my house. My house was a house of prayer and praise and holiness. And you have made it a den of thieves. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. You see, there's not only a denunciation here, there's a separation. So he walks out and he takes his disciples with him and he's coming up the Mount of Olives. It's evening time and the sun is setting and it's glittering in, across the great temple. That mighty building of the temple 
with dozens of variegated colors of all sorts. Marble and gold, it was one of the wonders of the world, one of the greatest sights, the very heart of the Jewish nation, the very thing that the Jew longed for as his temple and, his, and the house of God and the place of God and going to have a temple soon, again. It was the very heart of the Jewish system, the very heart of the Jewish people was Zion and Jerusalem and the temple of God. Yet he's walking out of it. And as he's walking and crosses across the Mount of Olives, one of the disciples or some of the disciples said, Oh, Master, look. Look. Look at verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. The disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. He says, Oh, look, look. Look at the beautiful, majestic, marvelous stones of the temple. Well, I can tell you something about the stones of the temple. There were stones in the temple that are 45 foot in length. They were 12 foot high. They were 18 foot wide. Some of them were gold and some of them were marble. There was a wonder to behold and as the sun shone and struck upon it, anybody that went near at all when the sun was shining that had blistered them. And these disciples are saying, these disciples are saying, and Peter, it was Peter or who it was, Lord, Lord, look at this lovely temple. Look at what you're leaving behind. Look at what you're asking us to leave behind, the very heart of the nation, the very heart of our worship. That great, mighty building that means everything to us. And then Jesus comes back, look at what he said. He said in verse 2, And Jesus said unto them, See ye not these things? Verily I say unto you, There is not one of these stones upon another that shall not be thrown down. Exactly 40 years after this, that prophecy was fulfilled. Titus, the Roman governor, marched into Jerusalem, flattened the temple, killed the people, slew thousands and took them into bondage, raped the women and took the people into bondage. But not only that, the very temple was erased to the ground and every stone was pulled up. The Jews not only had golden roof on the temple and golden doors in the temple, but they had gold hidden underneath the temple. And there's every stone, there wasn't one stone left on top of another. He prophesied that 40 years it came. Micah 3 and verse 12 was fulfilled. Zion shall be like a ploughed field and Jerusalem shall become as heaps. This is flashing on me here. It's, uh, it's making a noise on me. Zion shall be ploughed like a ploughed field, and Jerusalem shall become as heaps. It's inconceivable, my friend, to think, for them to think, that ever this could happen. That prophecy is fulfilled and fulfilled long ago, fulfilled in the words of hundreds of years before it in Micah. Every word, every prophetic word is going to be fulfilled. Now, there's a denunciation here, there's a separation here, but there's an application here which God has told me tonight to apply. And I want to apply it from the depth of my heart. And I want to say this, 
Whenever the Lord Jesus Christ or God the Father pronounces judgment on something and on some people or on some work or on some nation or on some great work, no matter how great it was when it started, no matter how long it has been in existence, no matter how greatly it has been used. Now listen to what I'm saying tonight. There was nothing greater than the sacrifices. There was nothing greater than the Old Testament economy. And he's finished with it. And whenever God pronounces judgment and weeps over it, he wept over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. Whenever Jesus Christ laments over something and weeps over something and denounces something's existence, let me say to you, don't you try to prop it up. Just leave it. Just leave it. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's saying. God can see the future and you can't see it and I can't see it. He's saying to his disciples and he's taking them with him, he's saying, flee, man, get out. There's a number of denominations in our province tonight and they were mightily used of God. And there's a number of missions and organizations that were raised of God and mightily used of God, but no longer. No more. And when the horse dies, dismount. When God grieves over something and pulls away from something, don't you try to prop it up. Don't you keep at it because it'll be doomed to disaster because there's a new day coming. There's a new way coming. There's a new and living way to be opened up. God help us. You remember Samson? Samson that mighty man of God. Do you know what was wrong with Samson? He spent too long on Delilah's knees and not long enough on his own knees. And he didn't know that the Spirit was gone. It says he awoke as a time, but he wished not that the Spirit had gone from him. And yet he went on trying to do it. And there was no Spirit, there was no God. He was God. He's gone. Remember the great King Saul, mighty for God. Then he lost the anointing. And God withdrew. He departed from him. He left him. But he went on doing what he was doing for years with no anointing and no power and no authority. 
He went on ruling the kingship. He went on ruling, making decisions just the same as many in the church today. They're just going on doing, doing, doing. But no power. No authority. Because he has withdrawn. And they don't know it. Remember Eichabod, what I said, what the finishes, finishes the priest's wife dying as she lay dying. You know what you said over Israel? Eichabod, the glory, has departed from Israel. The ark's gone. My friend, the prayer's gone, the joy's gone, the passion's gone in many of our churches and many of our assemblies. And they're replaced with ritual and tradition and orthodoxy and death. This whole ecumenical Babylonian system which are squaring up in mighty ways in these last days, part of the end times, and we'll be dealing with it here. If you keep coming on the Sunday night, we'll be dealing with it. All this, my friend, is doomed to damnation. I seen a line up of them in the courier the other day laughing and gurning and, and smiling together, every denomination nearly under the sun that you could think of, and all they were standing in was because the, the government had come back into Belfast. God help us. If that's all your minister can do and stand on the street for him, you flee from him as fast as you can. Cut the corn from him. Starve him out. They're physicians of no value. They're forgers of lies and they're damning souls. And there's some of you here tonight and listen to me and you're stuck in the middle of it and it's time to flee. Don't you be propping up something that God has damned. Oh, you're rough tonight. You've heard nothing yet. Don't you be propping up something that God has walked out of long ago. It's about time that you realize that. And across our land tonight, we have men and women, we have them in the works of God, they're in mansions and in cars and they have traveling lands and everything. God's gone. What did you come out tonight to see? A reed shaking in the wind? You didn't. I'm not shaking in the wind. There's enough boys shaking in the wind without me shaking in the wind. I come out here with a word from God. Whether you like it or not doesn't matter to me. I am telling you, my friend, from the heart of God tonight that the judgment of God, that God has walked out of more stuff in Northern Ireland. God told me years and years ago, whenever this place was starting, he says there's coming a day when there'll be a place like this for people to go to. And he has proved right. He has proved right. Listen to what Jesus says in Revelation. He's saying about the apostate church. He's saying about these forgers of lies, these preachers of love all the time, no judgment, no God, no power, no authority. Here's what he said about them. Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partaker of her sins, as that ye'll receive them and that you'll receive not the plagues in the day of wrath. This is serious stuff. 
These are truths that we need to speak. We need to examine, you need to examine, examine the denomination that you're in and the people that you're inclined to and the people that you're giving your money to. You need to, I'm not on a recruiting campaign tonight. I don't care, you never come back. Glad to see you. We've never carried on like that here. I am telling you tonight from the Word of God that you would need to go around the foundations and you would need to examine what's going on and where you're giving your money to and what you're propping up. Something God has departed long ago from. Oh, my father drew the stones and my grandfather, he drew the stones to that place. Well, I'll tell you what that place is tonight. It's a restaurant somewhere. That's what it is. God, God my, my, my people, all were people, we belong to this. Well, grandfather, my great-grandfather, we paid into it, they worked hard, they done everything with it. Well, let me tell you, this is Chinese restaurants tonight. Coffee shops. Muslim mosques are across our land and indeed across our nation tonight where churches once were on fire. When men of God once were on fire in the pulpit. When the glory of God was coming down in our meetings. I can remember it 50 years ago. I can remember being in meetings with the CWU and the Faith Mission when you'd have trembled in them. Not now. Not now, my friend. We need to go around, we need to examine the Muslims the garden centers, the coffee shops have requisitioned scores of God's houses which were once on fire for God. And then I hear them saying, and that word sickened me, oh, we are autonomous. I'm talking about people in, 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 in denominations with names on them. But we, we're autonomous. We don't go with what they say the hierarchy says. We, we don't listen to them. We don't go to their meetings or anything like that. We, we, we preach the word, and so they do. We preach the word, and we tell the people to be saved, and so they do. And we pray, and so many of them do. But they say that you, they say we're autonomous. No, you're not. Here's a word from my heart this evening. You're not. You're tarred with the, you're tarred with the same brush. Achan wasn't autonomous. Achan had the, the means of slaying hundreds and his own family. How can we bear the name of, a, of an organization or a domination? that backs are at very least as silent regarding sodomites? Same-sex marriage? Transgenders? Abortion? 
How can we have anything to do with those who have twisted and tinkered and trimmed and trifled the Word of God? How can we have anything to do with those who mock and laugh at the King James Version of the Bible? I have nothing to do with them. And I will not stand with them. And I'll not be part of them. How can it be? Well, then we're autonomous. My friend, we're not. And I'm saying to good men out there tonight, and I know that a thousand people listened to the last message on YouTube alone, I don't know how many, and any other domain, that doesn't concern me. But I'm saying to you good men out there, men that I, I, I sat at your feet, and I wouldn't lace your shoes to preaching and expounding the Word of God, I say, come out! Come out! Be careful, God has departed from the whole shenanigans. Too late to fool about. Far too late to fool about. And the thing of it all in many of these places, and the worst of all probably is, they've denied the gospel. And Paul says, in Philippians, he says, many walk, but I told you again, and I tell you again, that they're enemies of the cross. They're enemies of the cross whose end is destruction. No blood, no repentance, no cross, no power, no authority. No gospel. Hence we're in the state we're in. No power. Nobody got into their colleges. There's very few in their prayer meetings. Why? Because he withdrew. He has withdrawn. And we don't know it. Now quickly, as we come down to the end, if we are going to escape this great tribulation that could begin tonight, For he can't, he can't bring it. He can't do anything regarding it until we go. I haven't time to explain Genesis 19. But if we are so near tonight, as anybody with an ounce of common sense would know, if we are so close tonight, to the rapture of the church and to the great tribulation tribulation period when these plagues that we were reading about last week is going to fall upon our people, when all hell is going to break out, when a third of the earth's population is going to be destroyed, 
When the earthquakes and the famines and the pestilence that are moving so quickly these days are going to multiply and multiply, you'll hear something else before tomorrow. Surely we're in the last days. And I appeal to you that it's not saved here tonight. And those of you who are listening, by whatever means you listen, let me say to you tonight, you need to do what we read about there. Escape! Flee! Flee from the wrath to come. In John, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Lot. That's the days we were reading about. As it was in the days of Lot. Here's what it says. The same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed all. He waited until he got the two daughters, Lot and his two daughters out. Nine times in that story of Lot you read about deliverance and five times I tell you about escaping. He says, I can't do anything until you get out. That's an awesome statement. My friend, God can do I didn't think there was nothing God couldn't do. Well, he can't lie, of course. And he can't sin. And he can't fail. And he can't and he won't and he will never break his promise. You see, Lot, and we haven't time, we're going to close now. Lot, with all his problems that he had, Peter says he was a just and righteous man. He was a type of the church in the world. Jesus says, as it was in the days of Lot, he's a type of the church in the days of Lot, in the days of the world, wickedness and immorality and infidelity. And here's what Paul the Apostle says. He says, I want you to comfort yourself with these words. What words? Listen, listen. That the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout any moment. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That old mother that prayed for you. That old godly father that prayed for you. That wee child that you lost. And the dead in Christ, that your eyes first just because they're further down. The trumpet's going to sound in some of these moments. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain, when the cup bind that down going with them. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But then he says this, comfort one another with these words. There's not much comfort if we're going into the tribulation. There's not much comfort of these plagues that are going to hit. 
And the, and the Antichrist is going to dictate to us and put the mark of the beast. I tell you, there's not much comfort in that, but that will never come to me as a believer. I'll be up and I'll be out. And I'll be in. Hallelujah. All because of the grace of God. The church of... One of the churches in Asia Minor that the Lord wrote to the church of Philadelphia, here's what he says, Because thou hast kept my word, I will also keep thee from the hour of tribulation that's coming on the world. My friend, all through the world we, world, we have pictures of this. Pictures of this. Listen, listen tonight. Don't despair. If you're not saved, no matter how bad your sins were, no matter what you've done in the past, listen, there's a place tonight. There's a refuge. Run, flee to the cross tonight. We're still in the day of grace. There's still time to come. That's the story with, Lot, with, with Noah. Noah built the ark. And God says, come now in thy house into the ark. And once he got in, he shut the door. They were in and the storm came and the wrath came. Another picture of the tribulation. Are you in tonight? Are you safe tonight? Are you tinkering at the edge tonight? You up and down and in and out, and no power, no victory. God help you. God help you. There were five cities. There were five cities in the cities of the plain. Not only Sodom and Gomorrah. There was another three. Four of them were barbecued. One wasn't. The city of Zor. God spared Zor. And God spared Lot and his daughters after they lost the mother. Mrs. Lot turned back. She should have been out. That's why Jesus says, remember Lot's wife, never forget her. She, she, she should have been out. She could have been out. The angel took her by the hand, but she pulled back. Mother, don't you pull back tonight. Whatever you do, don't pull back. Whatever you don't do, don't get a bit of spirit over this preacher tonight. I'm not talking about your church. I'm talking about things in general. And if the cap fits you, you need to wear it. He spared Zor. Do you know how he spared Zor? Do you know why he spared? And he just spared a whole hundreds of more. Do you know why he spared Zor? And why he spared Lot? And why he spared the daughters? And why he would have spared Mrs. Lot? Because Abraham prayed. In answer to Abraham's prayer on Monday night and Wednesday night here, I don't know any place I would more rather be. Because it's a place of hope to hear mothers and fathers weeping over their children. Oh God, don't let them go into this awful tribulation. Oh God, deliver them from the drugs and deliver them from the drunk, from the drink. Thank God for praying, people. Boy, we have them here, and I thank God every day. You have been prayed for, and you will be continued to be prayed for. And God says, Escape, escape for your life, flee as fast as you can to the city of Zor. And the sun 
was rising over Zohar. It was a new day. A new day. New day. How are we going to be saved from wars and rumors of wars and nuclear attacks, nuclear bombs? By running into the refuge. There's a new day, dawning. There's a new day. Listen, there's a new life, mother. Not a new start in life, but a new life to start with. Hallelujah. I'm enjoying it every day. A new life to start with when all the sins and iniquities in past are forgiven and forgotten. The joy of the Lord is my strength tonight. And I thank him every day and every hour and every step that it takes that he ever saved a wretch like me. And I'm as safe tonight as Jesus is. I'm as much in heaven tonight as he is. He's not going to send the tribulation. He's not going to send the plagues. He can't. He's not going to let the Antichrist loose. He can't. He said that until we come hither. Oh, the mercy. Oh, the grace. Oh, the love of God. Will you come to him tonight? I'll be at the door with booklets. Those those that are going to go out now when we sing a hymn are going to go out without a murmur. If you want to talk, talk in the car park. And for one half an hour, anybody who wants to stay, just sitting where you are, we're going to have a half an hour's prayer. Short, sharp prayer. There's nothing better we could do. And if you have a loved one and you're able to stay, I know tomorrow, I know the children, I know all those things. If you can, stay with us. And let us seek the Lord. Let us call unto the Lord. Because Douglas MacArthur was right. Armageddon is at our door. Let us pray. Change my mind. We're not going to. We're not going to sing. Now, Father, bless those now that go. And those of us who linger for a while. Oh God, those traveling the car going home, they can pray. Don't have to be here. Lord, we pray for sons and daughters and mothers and fathers. Oh God, we say, escape for thy life. This is serious, Lord. Lord, as thy people, we want to be up and doing for God. We don't want to be tinkering at something that you have long forsaken. Oh God, help us to know your will.
part those now that go with thy fear and those of us who remain and later that you'll go before us as well bring all to their home safety tonight and help us to remember it may be at evening it may be at midnight it may be at cockcrow it may be in the morning we don't know but we'll not belong to we're at midnight Lord not belong to six in the morning not belong to midday and then it repeats itself again. Oh God, help us to watch and wait for the coming of King Jesus. Amen.